Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad it's worse than a Limburger cheese on rotten eggplant sandwich. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from the recording studio built here at my home office just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And remember, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this show. So if you're not, turn it off now. Okay, there you go. Good job. Uh, On this week's show... We've got uh, Pipe Parts' is, uh, Ask the Pipe Maker with uh, Jeff Grasick, and we're talking about horn stems. And the final, the final of the seven Ask the Experts is uh, Fred Hanna, Ph.D., and uh, Doctor of Pipes and overall swell guy. So you get to hear the last one of those. Hope you've enjoyed those. Uh, music is by request, mailbag. And a rave, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And if you follow me on Facebook, you'll notice well one of the advantages of uh, uh, one of the advantages of being home a lot recently is I've gotten to know some of the animals in our uh, in our yard. And yesterday, well, we just happened to catch um, two black snakes. Two black snakes in our backyard that were apparently um, trying to make more baby black snakes. So I've got some video of that on my Facebook page. And uh, it was kind of fun. Uh, you know, we kept our distance but uh, and didn't want to yeah, didn't want to uh, interrupt them. But, um, yeah, anyway, it was like a live episode of uh, Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom right here in the backyard. And I was standing out there smoking my pipe watching. And they, it, it, it took a little bit of time. Anyway, all right, that's enough, uh, that's enough about the snakes. Um, let's get the show rolling so everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. back on the pipes magazine radio show and another ask the pipe maker segment with the pipe maker jeff grasick jeff welcome back hey brian thanks for having me all right you ready for your question let's do it jim nelson writes in i see some companies coming out with horn stems and options i've never noticed before my mother used to make horns, vaguely, some, vaguely similar to a shofar from cow horns. It required boiling the horn so the bone could be removed from the center and then cutting and, cutting and trimming a mouthpiece. Boiling the horn smelled truly awful, and after one try, that process got moved outdoors. Uh, when my dad... Mm-hmm would trim cut and shape the mouthpiece the whole basement would reek of of burnt hair of a burnt hair smell that would sometimes linger for more than one day the horn itself has a very unpleasant taste even after 50 years of hanging above the fireplace finally cow horn is actually quite thin and there's simply not enough material for which to make a stem so I assume, well, that, that's where you went wrong. You assumed. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So I assume that when pipe makers use the term horn, they're not talking about the poor Brahma bull who broke his horn chasing a rodeo clown. <laughs> <laughs> but it begs several questions. One, what is the horn used in pipe stems? Two, does it stink to high heaven when being prepped and shaped? And three, do horn stems have a taste, especially if they get hot? 
Wow. That is a good series of questions. So let's start with the first one. What is the, the first question was, what is the horn? Yep. What is the horn material used in pipe stems? Now he's talking about stems, but I'm, I'm going to expand that so that we can talk about shank adornments too. Right, right. So there are a couple options here. You've got synthetic and you've got natural. Synthetic just smells like plastic and tastes like plastic when you cut yeah. and use it. And it's fake. Uh, for, so, and and it, it doesn't look as nice. Yeah. But it doesn't stink up your whole workshop, or at least it doesn't make it smell like burning hair or fingernails. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> other option is natural, in which case... It is just as he says, it is natural cow horn or steer horn. Now you're not getting any exotic animal horn for the shank adornments or, you know, like deer, elk, antelope, gazelle. I don't know what else, whatever else you there is can, in Africa. You can get that stuff. And I have some pipe makers use other alternative materials. I mean, people have used narwhal tusks and rhino well, probably not rhino, but uh, like I mean, hippo <laughs> teeth or some wh whatever is legal. <laughs> people have used it. Probably some people have used illegal things. Not this guy, though. Yeah. No unicorn. So, no unicorn horn. No unicorn horns. OK. But so so there are a lot of different options uh, of, that can be used for embellishments on the shank or in the mouthpiece. But in terms of making the whole mouthpiece out of it. To my knowledge, horn is the only material like that that is used, or, or people have used ivory in the past as well, but that's now illegal yeah. and also is just a really poor material to be using in pipes. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add into this. So when, when I was evaluating estate pipes and, mm -hmm. and we wanted to figure out what the material was, if we thought it was horn... Uh, right. Usually if I was wearing jeans, I'd take the pipe and rub it up and down on my on my pant leg real quick to heat it up. And if it smelled like the back end of a cow, well, that was probably mm -hmm. horn. If it didn't have a smell, then it was <laughs> acrylic or Bakelite or some sort of older plastic. But I think... Uh, in why are you getting close enough to a cow that you know what the back end smells? Why are you getting close enough to the business end of a cow to I know what the back I, end I live smells in North, like? I live in North Carolina. They walk the streets just randomly. Uh, and you're following <laughs> following along behind them, are you? I like them. They, you know, I like the okay. female. You know, we we talk. Um, we right. we move right. at each other. Um, I have one here over here that sings when I push down on it. It's plastic, oh. but you know. Um, okay. Well, in that case, I mean, that gets to the, that's the other option then plastic or natural. Yeah. Yeah. Have you rubbed, have you rubbed it on your jeans? <laughs> no, it's plastic. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it says made in China. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, but so the horn stem, I, the horn, the whole stem being horn is a much older mm -hmm. idea. Uh, I think that's pre ebonite right. and pre acrylics. I think that goes back to when the choices were vulcanite, clay, or a reed, or maybe a horn material, right. which would be right. less breakable than any of them. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I've ever really smoked a pipe that has a horn stem on it, but I would imagine that if it's you know polished up and shaped up and cut and drilled and everything... Just the, the the smoke coming through the stem is not going to get hot enough to really make it add a flavor to it. Because uh, other, otherwise I, your I, shank I, adornments I, would do that. Right. You mean if the actual mouthpiece is made out of it? Yeah. Like the whole thing? Yeah. No, I... I uh, now, I will say I have never used a pipe that had a horn mouthpiece. But I have plenty that have horn embellishments on the shank or on the um, inlays in the in the, the stem itself yeah. if the horn is not in com coming in contact with the smoke stream then it will of course have no impact on the flavor yeah. but in the case of a mouthpiece or like a uh, a ferrule on the end of a shank for like a military mount in that case the the smoke stream is coming in contact with it i think for the ferrule the connection or the the amount of horn surface area that's coming in contact with the smoke is so small that I doubt it would have any impact. But I say this as someone who's never smoked a mouth uh, a horn mouthpiece. 
my intuition suggests that the horn would actually cause, at least for the the initial few smokes, would cause some kind of flavor to your smoke. But I don't know that for sure. And the reason I say only at the beginning is because I think that uh, as as the pipe breaks in, it would get a coating of gunk or whatever would be giving the off flavors would eventually be covered up. When you're using when you're using whatever horn materials you're buying polished pieces that you're just trimming down to to use for decoration right yes i i, I don't use them for mouthpieces now as you said it is a traditional material to be used and I, a number of retailers i think smoking pipes was one of them they launched a set of i think french pipes they might have been from Genode or from uh Chacombe yeah a few years ago and they all had horn mouthpieces it's a really cool a really cool like way to get in touch with the history of pipe making, but I don't yeah. know in terms of like smokeability, if it's something that I would use all the time. I don't know if it'd be as comfortable as a piece of, as a good piece or of, durable. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. Yeah. That, that's just me. I mean, I don't want to poo all over someone's great idea. Like if people really like using that or it's, you know, their, their thing, like go for it. But I, I wouldn't use it. It's not, it's I, I like my customers to have good experiences for long periods of time and and I don't I, I don't imagine that uh, horn would provide a good experience for a long period of time and right. I don't like doing repairs so uh, I, it just sounds like a, a recipe for repairs but now you got me thinking you know now I might want to try one it might make Latakia blends finally taste good to me because I won't be able to taste the right. Latakia or the horn <laughs> flavor but so wait, that was, was this? This was the first part of the question. Oh no, that no, that's no. We've we've covered it because it does stink when you when you're shaping it and playing with it. It does. And it does. It, it smells really really badly when yeah. you're using it. It smells like burning hair. Now we also know in your in your workshop you can open up mm -hmm. one wall completely and get fresh air in there anytime you want. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I have uh, like like these, you know, modern hip restaurants that have uh, have roll up doors. I also have one. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, Jeff, thank you very much. Happy to be here. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us for Ask the Experts or the Elder Experienced Statesman of Pipe Smoking or the Seven Samurai of, uh, of uh, Smoking. Joining us is uh, Fred Hanna, who we've had on before, and uh, Fred of Tin Baking and uh, Nicotine and all other things. So, Fred, welcome back to the show. Glad to be here, Brian. It's an honor, and uh, always fun to talk to you on the show or off the show. And we will not talk about tin baking. I promise I won't make you explain ruining a vacuum cleaner again. I promise. <laughs> okay. All right, Fred, here they are, the the, uh, the seven questions, and then uh, we'll, uh, we'll just have fun with this. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Can you detect if a pipe has been oil cured or not? And do you have a preference? Um, <clears throat> it's an interesting question. Um, the some of the old Dunhills, um, I, I would say pre nineteen sixty eight, perhaps, or earlier. Um, David Field, who is um, someone who is uh, one of the elder statements, statesmen of our hobby, um, is uh, pretty convinced that um, oil curing stopped with Dunhill around 1968, even though Dunhill made claims in that direction um, long after that. But 
Um, so if you have, for example, a, a Dunhill from the 50s or the 40s, sometimes that flavor of the oil curing is there. It's a rich, uh, sort of a smooth flavor. Um, it's kind of, you can detect it kind of like the tongue would detect salad dressing oil. Um, and uh, But here's what is my uh, personal belief, and that is that after about 30 smokes or so in a pipe, you can no longer detect the oil curing. And this is not only um, from David Field, who agrees with this, but I once uh, interviewed Bill Ashton Taylor, who, of course, worked for Dunhill. And by the way, when he worked for Dunhill back in the 60s and 70s, he said he never saw a pipe oil cured uh, <laughs> by Dunhill, just as an aside. As, as anybody who is a collector knows, um, Bill Ashton Taylor was a pipe maker of the Ashton pipes, and he originally worked for Dunhill, went off on his own and, and started his own line. And I asked him, after a while, um, what happens to that oil flavor? And he told me that he oil cures his pipes because in the beginning, when the pipes tend to taste a little raw, um, the uh, oil curing compensates for that raw, sometimes a touch harsh, sometimes just a little bit uh, uh, bitey, just a, a mm -hmm. touch, for example. Um, it's usually not an issue for most of us. But he said that his oil curing was primarily for that. He himself told me that even with his oil curing, which he said was much more extensive than anything Dunhill ever did, he said that after 30 smokes, you can't detect the oil curing. And if, if we're going to believe anybody, it would be him, not <laughs> only because he oil cured pipes himself, but he also worked for Dunhill, which is considered the standard for oil curing. So I'm going to go with them on this one and i'm also going to say that i have old i have owned ashton's for example and old dunhills and uh i have found that some of the really old dunhills you can still taste a little bit of that oil but um um the uh and with some of the new ashton's but after a while that flavor is no longer there and i think that bill ashton taylor would probably be one of the, if not the most authoritative person to answer that question. Do you prefer pipes to be oil cured or do you care? No, I don't. Um, and I'll tell you why. I like the flavor of the natural wood. And I believe that um, when you have a new pipe, um, and I'm speaking now without any bowl coating, mm -hmm. bowl coatings range and, and, uh, and vary in so many different ways. So just speaking with no bowl coating, you get that uh, piece of briar and um, shaped into a pipe. And then what can happen is, um, like I said, you can get that sort of raw flavor. But after the pipe has been heated up and smoked, you know, 10 or 12 times, I believe that the saps and the wood are transformed this is all in my book, by the way, The Perfect Smoke, still available on Kindle. <laughs> and um, I was so going to say, it's not in print anymore. So, <clears throat> Well, it's still on Kindle. Um, but the, uh, the, the point is, is that just like if you heat up um, Vermont maple syrup, when it's still sap, it's actually quite bitter. But after you, after you heat it up, it tastes that very sweet, uh, you know, rather special flavor. Um, same thing with garlic if you roast it. Same thing with onions if you roast or, or um, grill onions. They take on a special flavor um, that involves some sweetness and some sugars. And tobacco itself has sugars in it um, that also combine very well with the wood of huh. briar. And so when you um, mix those two together, and by the way, tobacco has, has a, a good content of starch. 
um, in it. And starch, of course, as we know, is made up of a starch molecule is made up of nine glucose molecules. And of course, those are nine different sugar, um, well, glucose molecules bonded together, that's a starch. And so in that way, um, the tobacco and the wood of the briar mix together so way so well that after a while, that pipe accommodates the tobacco so well that it's, it produces that rich, marvelous taste that you can't get anywhere else in nature except from smoking a pipe. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, so that's why briar is so special and to, and certain and the pipe tobaccos are so special. Exactly. Yeah. And, and why you can't just take some regular cheaper tobacco or uh, grass clippings and put it in your pipe and get that same sweetness. Exactly. Yeah. All right, next question. Okay. Uh what pay, what makes a pipe more of a flake tobacco pipe to you? Well, this is controversial, and I yeah. think it depends on the personal preference of the smoker. Well, that's why I asked to you, not to anybody else. Okay. So, in my, in my opinion, I like a small bowl for Virginia Flakes. Now, okay. there are times I'll put it in a medium bowl with certain Virginias with high sugar content. Yep. <clears throat> what I find is that, um, see, I started out smoking... English tobacco and never paid any attention to um, uh, Virginia Periques or just straight Virginias for a long, long time. It's only been in the last, I don't know, I'd say the last 15, 16, 17 years that I've actually been pretty serious about Virginias. <clears throat> so that 15, 16 years is nothing to sneeze at, but I've been smoking, um, you know, English blends since 1974. So that's uh, how many years? Forty-six years. So the 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 when I first started smoking Virginias and Virginia Flakes, I would naturally smoke them in a big bowl like I would with my uh, Latakia English Balkan blends. And um, I found that after a, a in a big bowl, Latakia or sorry, Virginia Flakes tend to become rather boring and uninteresting, but that in the first, I always noticed that in the first half of the bowl, it was fascinating to me. And then one day it uh, went through my thick skull that <laughs> these things were actually, you shouldn't laugh at that, Brian. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you, you just know me too well. Yeah. Um, but it went through my thick skull that maybe it would be better to smoke this stuff in a smaller bowl. And I had heard people say this sort of thing. So <clears throat> it changed my collecting, actually, because now I have a lot smaller bowls than I used to have. I used to collect big bowls, not as big as Rich Esserman's, of course. But I had some pipes and still have some pipes that would qualify for his collection in size. And him and I are, are buddies, and we talk about pipes all the time. So the answer to the question, then, is that I prefer a smaller bowl, and and I think those are better for Virginias. Now, you know, once again, with a high sugar Virginia, not quite that. That I think would be better for a a slightly bigger bowl. But overall, that would be the general rule for me. And with your with your smaller bowl Virginias, you're just you're going to also are you going to slow down your smoking a little bit so that you don't get it as hot and push it along as far. Um, maybe this is wrong, but I smoke the Virginia Flakes the same way I smoke English tobaccos. Okay. No, as long as you um, like it that way. Yeah. Um, you got something to teach me here, buddy? Nope. Nothing at all. Uh, okay. <laughs> but we will, uh, we will take a break here. And when we come back, we'll have, uh, more with more ask the experts with, uh, Fred Hanna. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes. 
and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite, or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes, in faithful service of the hobby. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with uh, one of the Magnificent Seven experts, Fred Hanna. Fred, you ready for your next question? Yes, sir. What is your preferred method of flame? Matches, butane lighter, Zippo lighter, candle? Um, yeah, candle. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> I think I think that uh, I started out with just plain old, you know, uh, matches, wooden matches. And um, I think that, and now I use butane, um, butane exclusively. But remember, um, there's a certain kind of butane that's important to keep in mind. The, the, you, you have to use the butane that has been filtered at least four times and, and probably more. And the reason for that is, is that if you use a, if you took a BIC lighter, for example, mm -hmm. and put it up to, and put the flame up to porcelain, you'll see a lot of black that comes out of these um, lighters with the cheap um, butane because it's not, it's not uh, pure. And so all that blackness goes into your pipe and it, you can, you can taste it. And so I try to use only the purest butane in a good, uh, in a good lighter. Um, and when I say a good lighter, I mean, you can get a good butane lighter for 20 bucks. You know, yeah. what's really important is to use the good butane. Now with, with matches, um, one of the things that you have to remember is that when you go to light your pipe with, um, wooden matches, you have to wait for the head of the match to stop its flare and you, it starts to burn the wood and not the match head because the match head is sulfur and that sulfur will actually affect the flame of the or the taste of the tobacco yep so in my opinion um using butane gives you the purest fire and doesn't influence the smoke now having said that the best part of the match if you're going to light with a match will be um at the uh, you're going to taste that wooden that wooden flavor the closer to the bottom of the bowl you are. So if you empty the bowl as you smoke, which most people do, um, and then you use a wooden match towards the bottom, you're going to taste more of that burning wood than you would at the very top of a bowl, which hasn't um, been thoroughly burned. And the rest of the tobacco will actually serve as a filter for that wooden flavor, see? But I prefer, and I, I smoked you know, for a long, long time with wooden matches. I use butane now because I think it allows me to get the pure taste of the tobacco better. So now you got me wondering about my DeJeep lighters. Have I poisoned all my pipes with black stuff in them? And now I'm, I'm just completely lost. So thank you. Well, I'm glad that you finally realized that. Yeah. Brian. All right. Next question, since you screwed that up for me. Um <laughs> Do you notice a cooler smoke with a pipe with a longer shank like a Canadian? <clears throat> this is a very controversial subject. Um, the famous uh, uh, and now sadly departed, may he rest in peace, um, my good friend um, Tony Soderman, yeah. also known as Mr. Can on eBay, um, always at the shows with many, many tables um, filled with uh, estate pipes. And I had been to his house several times, seeing his unbelievable collection of approximately 700 Canadians. Yeah. And toward, toward the end of his life, Tony would not collect a, 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 a Canadian with less than four inch shank. Now, I'm not talking about four inches stem. I'm talking about four inch wood shank. Okay, so him and I have had many, many discussions on this point. And um, I've had discussions with other well-known collectors as well. 
I believe having, you know, putting all together everything that I've learned, I believe that a longer shank does cool the smoke. However, I believe that a thicker wall cools the smoke longer or better, I should say, than a longer shank. So one of the rules I have for, for buying pipes is that the, the wall of the, um, of the pipe, of the bowl, of course, um, will absorb the heat. And I've noticed over the years that a very curious phenomenon that people don't generally talk about happens with thick walls. One way, for example, if you have a, um, a pipe, say a group four, and it's got a, uh, you know, a thinner wall, let's say eighth of an inch um, to maybe uh, uh, a quarter of an inch, um, the bowl will get hot. And we have to make a distinction now because a lot of people I talk to, I ask people about their pipes and experiences all the time. And I once, I just recently asked a longtime collector um, about a, a, a pipe that smokes hot. And he took that to mean hot to the touch. And I said, no, when I'm talking about a hot, a, a hot smoke, I'm talking about the temperature of the tobacco that hits your tongue. I don't care what, if it's hot to the touch. And he said, well, why is that? I said, well, in the end, that's where the rubber meets the road is where the smoke touches the tongue. So the issue here is that I've noticed that some thinner walled, um, you know, classic shapes mm -hmm. like, you know, a billiard or, uh, you know, a simple Dublin or something like that will smoke um, hot to the touch. But the smoke is very cool to the tongue. And I've also had group four pipes that are also um, very cool. For some reason, they don't get hot. There's something about that wood in that particular pipe. It doesn't get hot to the touch and it's cool to the tongue. So I believe that there's just some wood that is a more absorbent of heat, but some of those pipes dissipate the heat. Some of them, just absorb the heat. So the number one rule that you always have to remember when you're pipe shopping is that there are two makers for every pipe, at least two. One is the pipe maker or the brand, and the other is Mother Nature. Mother <laughs> Nature makes that wood, and she determines the characteristics of that smoke much more than we like to give her credit. And so... I, what I want then, in the, in the final analysis, I want a pipe that will absorb the heat of the burning tobacco so that the smoke itself comes to my tongue at room temperature. And you can't get any cooler than that. In fact, right now, if you just purse your lips and um, inhale some air, you'll notice how cool it is. When a pipe is smoking cool, that's as, that's the way it's supposed to be. Smoke comes out at room temperature. And the purpose of good wood is to absorb the heat of the fire so that the, the smoke comes to us at room temperature. So back to the original question. I believe that a long shank will do that, and I also, but I don't believe that a long stem will do that because, remember, rubber is an insulator and it's not going to dissipate heat yeah so so for me thick walls is number one and then long shank is number two and then of course you have the the luck of the draw with mother nature some pipes just do not absorb heat at all and you're going to get a hot smoke no matter what well and that kind and of that kind of segues into the next question really well which is when smoking the same tobacco, why do some pipes smoke wetter than other pipes? Okay, so let's make another distinction here, too. When you say smoke better, that means that assumes certain things for certain people. For me, when a pipe smokes good, it's got a great taste. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I want a pipe to taste good. I've had perfectly functioning 
smoking pipes that smoke really, really well, but they taste like shit. <laughs> and for example, well, this is my favorite example, but I've had other pipes as well. I once had a um, Costello Collection Great Line um, 65 shape, beautiful pipe. You know me, I only collect straight grains, and this was a beautiful, beautiful pipe. And I could not get that thing to taste right. It smoked great, but I couldn't get it to taste like anything other than a sewer. I smoked it. I bought it new. I smoked it and smoked it. I couldn't get anything out of it. I tried only Virginias in it because some pipes, they just don't like Latakia. They don't mix with Latakia very well. Because remember, the wood has its own flavor. It sits in that ground for 50 years before it gets dug up and put into a pipe. So it soaks up everything around it. And so the the bottom line is that some pipes will be, well, yes, Conowitz once made a joke about, you know, you're going to get great smoking pipes, but there might be that one briar, that one heath tree, which, of course, is what has the briar root, where the donkey on the path um Every time the donkey goes by that one tree, it takes a piss <laughs> on that particular tree, and that flavor filters into the briar, and it tastes like shit. And I know, um, and, and this has been, I, I know this has been written, but Yes told me about this himself because I talked to him about it. And we have to recognize once again, that there's two makers. There's the the human and Mother Nature, and um, so this is this is what really has to be kept in mind whenever we talk about any uh, kind of thing about a smoke a pipe being a good smoker. For me, I've had pipes that have very bad engineering. Brian, for example, I have a magnificent Sheraton Supreme, which is a very famous. Uh, pipe that's been on the covers of some newsletters and that sort of thing it's very remarkable very distinct shape and <clears throat> it's not engineered well i can't get a pipe cleaner through it and uh, so what does that mean i have to take the pipe cleaner and mess around to get it down to soak up some moisture because it tends to smoke wet but it tastes fantastic <laughs> And, you know, so a lot of people think, well, you know, you have to have perfect engineering. Well, engineering is nice, but it's not the final word. The final word is the wood itself. And then we'll jump right into the next one, because I know this is easy for you. <laughs> uh, what is a specific aspect or dimension that a pipe must have in order for you to purchase it? Go ahead and say straight grain. Well, yeah, but that's a collecting issue. It's yeah. not a smoking issue. Um, if you were, for example, this is another controversial topic. Back in the late 70s, after Carl Lee's book, um, The Book of Pipes and Tobacco, which I think is probably the best pipe book ever published, when that book came out, um, we were all avidly reading um, that book. And there's a section in there that actually um, validated or supported, I should say, um, a long-held myth that straight grain... Um, redistributes moisture and results in a better smoke, a drier smoke and a cooler smoke and all these kinds of things, which, you know, I've been collecting straight grains literally since 1974. And that's, I love this. I love briars. There's something about briar that's extremely appealing to me. You know, it's like some people like lilac bushes in their garden, you know, but for me, I want a pipe with straight grain. That's me. That's my problem. I don't pretend that everybody else should have my problem. <laughs> but it has nothing. I've, it has nothing to do with smoking um, uh, better or smoking worse, just because of the grain. I do not think the grain affects the smoke. The smoke, and I think that an example of this would be uh, some pipes I've had that um, were just knockarounds that have no, practically no grain at all, and some of them can taste just amazing. And so um, when I look for a pipe for dimensions, I want it to be, a pro these days, approximately six inches long and approximately no less than, uh, I would say, two inches high, 
I might compromise at one and seven eighths or whatever, depending on the shape of the pipe. But that's what I look for as a minimum. Mm-hmm. I like for a pipe to have about a two and a half inch size bowl, um, maybe uh, two and three eighths, you know, whatever. But the, I want it to be appealing aesthetically because, Brian, I have learned that I can have the prettiest pipe. And if, I, if it, or sorry, I can have the most perfectly grained pipe. But if it's not aesthetically pleasing to me, I just don't pick it up to smoke it. So I don't buy those anymore. For example, a poker. I'm just not a fan of the poker shape. But I've had some perfect straight grain pokers, and I never smoked them yeah. because I just don't like that shape. Yeah. So these are things you learn over many, many years of collecting, I guess. And the perfect straight grain is just, you know, it's that's just uh, that's also a way for you to narrow down what will what you'll put into your collection too exactly see my problem is that i like all pipes i like sandblast rusticated bird's eye pipes some bird's eye pipes are just incredible yeah but i can't collect everything so i only smoke i only focus on the pipes that i like the most and so i don't end up you know just uh um you know, spending money all over the place and going to the poorhouse. <laughs> Homeless, I, no food, but a ton of pipes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so I focus on the the pipes that I like the most, and those are straight greens. Next question is: uh, Do you prefer your pipes bowl coated or not? And is it a deal breaker for you? Well, boy, that's a good question. This is another very area, a very big area of controversy. Um, what we have to, first of all, um, determine is what kind of bowl coating is it. <laughs> I sort of bowl coatings that have yogurt in them. Um, Brian, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can't verify this because I didn't go in and cut open the, the, the coating to see if there was any yogurt in there. Um, <laughs> or, you know, put some strawberries in there with it. Or, you know, <laughs> but, but the point is that... Um, you have to determine what kind of bowl coating it is. So if it's just simple charcoal powder, um, that is what some people use. There's, then things can get pretty complicated. There are some people, uh, like Jimmy Cook, for example, who will not share, and I've asked him at least half a dozen times, w- what the bowl coating is. All he tells me is that it's an organic material and you can eat it because it, it is... Uh, you know, uh, food grade. And, <laughs> and he may have eaten it for all we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Jimmy, if you're listening to this, I apologize, my friend. And we but, love you. <laughs> and we love you. Right. Um, but the, the bowl coating is um, very interesting. Now, Jimmy has told me on at least two or three occasions over the years that he wants his bowl coating to stop or inhibit the taste of the wood from affecting the tobacco. Mm-hmm. Is, now, it, that is entirely opposite of what you just heard me say earlier in the interview here. Yeah. But this is Jimmy's thing. I asked him once, by the way, I hold the unique distinction that nobody else can lay a claim to. I have been waiting for a Jimmy Cook pipe, and he knows this, longer than anybody on the planet. <laughs> Since 1999, I have asked Jimmy for a a nearly perfect straight grain, and he just will not deliver. I mean, you know, (laughs) you ask for a Jimmy Cook pipe, you might wait three or four years. That's long, but you might wait that long. But in my case, when I ask him, you got a pipe for me, Jimmy, he just laughs. Like, you know, and he he treats me like, you know, who the hell are you? Reminds me of my family, Brian. It reminds me of you, actually. Yeah. So, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, man. But, so, that's one. That's the opposite extreme. Mm-hmm. The other opposite extreme, which is very different, is something that you shouldn't eat. And that's this, um, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, silicon. Uh, uh, it's a silicon dioxide or something like that, referred to as water glass. And some people put this into their bowl, some pipe makers, so because it won't burn. And I remember playing this stuff with this stuff when I was a kid, and I had a chemistry set. 
and um, it doesn't, I mean, you can melt it, but it won't burn. So the point um, here is that some people coat their bowls, some pipe makers, because they want to make sure that no um, idiot is going to burn them out um, because the water glass serves to protect the wood. Yeah. Now, the question is, does it add to the flavor? And I personally think that, no, if I have a preference, that water glass is not going to be in my pipe because it is a foreign substance. And um, and with uh, and I just uh, and it's a foreign chemical. I just don't want it. And personally. You, you want the raw wood taste. I want the raw wood. Like I said, I want that roasting effect that happens in the wood. And then I want that flavor of the wood to be imparted into the tobacco, which makes the wood part of the smoking experience instead of just a vessel to start a fire in. So you're going to have a whole bunch of people now reaming out their bowls and taking the coating out just to see if they can taste the difference. Uh, uh, Fred, we will, uh, we will wrap this up with the, uh, with the, the one and only final question, which is going to be miserable for you, but you've had a chance to think about it. Is there one pipe that you owned and got rid of that you wished you could get back and, or a pipe you saw for sale that you regret not buying? Um, and can you narrow it down to one? Yeah, I, I saw this question when you sent, you know, sent it to me. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of pipes that I should have bought that I didn't, but a lot of times, like for example, I saw a former, very large former, um, you know, for the for the readers or mm -hmm. sorry the listeners, um, that's you know a famous and expensive Danish maker, and it was in perfect condition. It was sitting on a table, and it was a hundred bucks. It wasn't my kind of pipe, but I figured wow this is my chance to smoke a former and somebody came up to me we started talking i forgot all about it i went back and the and the pipe was gone <laughs> um so but that wasn't really something from my collection have i ever sold i've i've sold so many beautiful pipes brian um i can say pretty much now that i'm pretty happy with the pipes that i have i don't tend to um, I don't tend to, you know, regret, um, things. Um, I've so, like I said, if a pipe doesn't smoke good, then I let it go. Um, because I don't care how pretty it is. I once, for example, I once had a Thomas Cristiano pipe with what, uh, Rex Pagenpo would call jail bar straight grain. Unbelievable straight <laughs> grain. It just blew people away. It tasted horrible. Yeah. Um, like that Costello I was telling you. I just tasted horrible. I had to let it go. I wish it was, I wish I had it, but see, the point is, is that I, I don't want it back because it didn't taste good. Um, but in answer to your question, I really can't think of a pipe that I, um, I wish I had back. Um, well, that, that I actually regret. That also yeah. probably goes towards your training in psychology where you know not to harp on these things and, you know, otherwise your childhood comes up and then you have all kinds of miserable thoughts of, you know, and then you're back in therapy for another 12 sessions. Would you be my therapist, Brian? Absolutely. Whatever you want. Thank you, man. But, oh, thank you so much. Yeah, but be <laughs> before I put you on the couch here, let me just say, uh, Fred, <laughs> thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for doing this. It's always fun talking to you and even more fun hanging out with you. It's always great to have, to have you around, buddy. So thanks for having me. It's an honor. And uh, I can't wait to hear the, the entire series. And we'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D, 
is a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. This is Internet Radio. And welcome back. Uh, remember, if you would like to, uh, if you'd like to read the uh, in in the original Fred Hanna nicotine visit, I have links to those articles and and uh, and uh, reports that he mentions in there. You can email me directly, Brian at pipesmagazine.com, and I'll forward them on to you. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. I'll give you a chance to uh, digest it and respond to Fred, and then maybe next week we'll talk a little bit about some of the uh, and some of the interesting differences and some of the consistencies. So, look forward to your thoughts. All right, for uh, music, uh, still sticking with the happy music, and uh, Mick sent this in, and uh, he says, uh, "Music selection for the radio show." Uh, greetings all always appreciating Brian's music picks I would like to suggest for your good listening pleasure Heaven by Los Lonely Boys great lead guitar and rhythms I especially like the bass playing a happy song that's all love the show blessings all well Mick you suggested uh, we respond here we go Uh, and I think we had Los Lonely Boys on once before and possibly played this song, but it doesn't matter. It's good enough that we get it again. So here's Los Lonely Boys.
that is Los Lonely Boys from their self-titled debut album back in 2004, and it's called Heaven, and you're right, it is. It's just a happy, good-feeling song with a nice, upbeat rhythm. Three little words. In the mailbag, and remember, if you have a comment or question, you can email me directly, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Going back to last week's food for thought uh, about ice fishing, Casey Ghost writes, ice fishing, huh? Not for this kid. I prefer to be reasonably comfortable when fishing. I would have liked to have heard a question about how they actually fish. Don't they use two lines when they do this? Despite not being for me, this show was very enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, I I think, I, I'm pretty sure he mentioned before we were recording or afterwards that he might have, you know, two or three lines in the same hole or something like that. But again, I that was a situation where the host kind of sucked and didn't know enough about the subject to even ask the rare enough uh, right questions. <laughs> yeah, that's about all I can say. Um and then uh, Casey Ghost says, last week with uh, John David Cole, good show with John David. He really is knowledgeable about pipes and tobaccos. He has a great podcast of his own that would be improved. Uh, let's just say that uh, Dan doesn't like um, Bo York. Um, and then he said, uh, didn't agree with all his answers, but he gave a very thoughtful, gave very thoughtful reasons why he preferred it his way. I love the song Zippity Doo Dah, but didn't much care for Mercer's version. I much prefer James Baskett's version or even Louis Armstrong's. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the original version and then Louis are my two favorites. Uh, uh, just, yeah. Anyway. Um, and then uh, also, uh, acoustic, uh, acoustic, C, acoustic player said uh, i have a man crush on john david cole his blends are spectacular uh, there were some questions about how uh, how john david got started and uh, casey ghost said at the best he learned his craft the hard way he worked his way up from a guy working in the store to shop owner and that's what uh, so john david became uh, became hanging out there and then working there and then managing it and then owning it and learned it the absolute hard way um, so again, if you have comments or questions, you can post them on pipesmagazine.com or you can email me, Brian, at Pipes Magazine, just like Ralph did here. Uh, and Ralph says, I'm going to paraphrase this because it's kind of long. I just started your podcast several weeks ago, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate your show. I'm a 40-year-plus pipe smoker who had found the Internet a year ago and didn't realize the community of pipe smokers that was active out there. I have all the tools, but it seems like I'm learning all over again, and I've acquired a taste in the past five years for corncob pipes and burleys and perique. Uh, and uh, for the past 10 years, been smoking. he's been smoking my favorite um, Latakia Balkan Supreme. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, he goes on to say, my pipe world has opened up. Uh, being in the dental industry for the past 45 years and now facing retirement, I'm turning my dental instruments into an amateur pipe cleaner upper. Uh, about four months ago, I found the Country Squires podcast, and I appreciate those two fellows immensely. Thank you for what you're doing. Maybe next year, uh, see you in Chicago. I live uh, in uh, South Minnesota. The closest fast food restaurant from my house is 35 miles. Needless to say, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I have about 40, uh, have about 40 pipes. Uh, uh, that I that I first bought after I got married 42 years ago, and recently spending a lot of time exploring corn cobs and unfinished pipes such as Chris Morgan bones. Ralph, welcome aboard. Thank you. And remember, if you're new to the show, I suggest you keep current with the episodes, and then go back and get caught up on the back catalog as you get time because it's all there, all 400-plus shows sitting and waiting for you. Uh, please share the Pipes Magazine radio show out with all your friends, family, enemies, frenemies, and uh, BFFs and OMGs and all that stuff. That does greatly help. Uh, if you're interested in traveling anywhere, um, the Walt Disney World Resort is opening up next month. Uh, cruises look like September or so. You can email me, brian.levine at mei-travel. And uh, while you're doing that, follow me on Facebook and Instagram. And also, 
Uh, one last call for, uh, so about uh, two weeks ago, I posted some pictures of the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show hats that I have. You can uh, send me a message on uh, Instagram or Facebook or email me. It's uh, $30. That includes shipping in the United States. That covers a hearty donation to the JDRF. It's a hat and a button delivered to you. I've got um, maybe about 12 more hats, and then I'll be uh, done with those. So email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, for information on how to get a hat and uh I'll even sign it for you if you want me to ruin it perfectly for you. All right, in just a moment, rave time. There's nothing quite like a good book. Or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. going to rave about community coffee community coffee yeah sorry jeff grasick i'm gonna rave about community coffee because yeah, community coffee is an older brand of coffee uh and it's yeah, been around i don't know 70 80 100 years or so it's not an expensive brand of coffee but they've got a couple of roasts that i like for just my regular everyday coffee here not an espresso nothing fancy good quality coffee that they make at a good reasonable price i'm talking like six dollars for a pound of coffee ground uh i particularly like their colombian and their french roast but here's what Colum here's what the community coffee did for uh, a little bit uh, for a while there they had a little game where you pulled off a little tab and then you went online and entered your thing and see what you won well it just so happens that about three or four uh, about well, about five or six weeks ago, I won one of their prize packs, a free bag of coffee and a coffee-insulated uh, mug thing. And I thought, okay, here it goes, you know, great, you know, coffee, and you know, at least I get a free thing of coffee, right? I uh, haven't had the coffee yet because I'm still working through some other stuff, but I can tell you that the insulated mug that they sent is better than the expensive Starbucks mug that I have that was like $24. It's better than the expensive insulated and sealed lid fancy coffee cup that I got from Walt Disney World for $20. It keeps a 12-ounce cup of coffee hot, and I mean hot, for about two hours. It is the best coffee mug or insulated coffee mug I've ever had. So I get my little uh, my little single you know, single cup thing I, and I shoot you know, coffee right into it, close it up, and it's good for, I mean, so anyway, thank you Community Coffee for a brand new uh, wonderful insulated mug. I really appreciate it. And if you're looking for good inexpensive coffee next time you're out shopping, try Community Coffee. Um, if you would like to advertise on the Pipes Magazine radio show and reach some of the finest pipe-smoking listeners in the world, email Kevin at PipesMagazine.com. He handles all that. Uh, iTunes ratings and reviews are much, 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 much appreciated. We greatly appreciate it on that. If you're, in a, uh, if you're out of the United States, leave that rating and review there and uh, do a screen capture and email it to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, so I can read it here on the show because I can't see those. Uh, if you're out of the country and there's more than just yours, screenshot all of them because I can't see them. And then you can send them to me, and then I can read them here. All right. I hope you enjoyed the uh, seven experts. Thank you to Jeff for joining me. Thank you to Fred Hanna, the final of the seven experts. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather.